Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. If you've ever ministered to people, you probably have come across this where you say like, shouldn't do that. They're like, well, why? Well, because the Bible says that's a sin. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. And then hopefully they take that and be like, and if they're a Christian, they're like, okay, well then I'm going to stop doing that because the Bible says to stop doing that. That's ultimately what we want. And so praise God, there's, there's an, a covering for even unintentional sins. Maybe you're doing something you're like, I didn't even know that was wrong. That's okay. Now you do. Now we deal with it. And now we move on. Many people view God as a really strict disciplinarian not only in how they relate to him personally, but also in his relationship with the Israelites in the Old Testament. Cross this line and you're done, right? Well, Pastor James shares that while yes, God set forth some very rigid ways that he expected to be worshiped, he also gave the people the opportunity to right their wrong. So while God does have high expectations of you, he's first and foremost gracious and forgiving. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Leviticus chapter two with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. It may be presented in the form of thin cakes mixed with olive oil or wafers spread with olive oil. If your grain offering is cooked on a griddle, it must be made of choice flour mixed with olive oil, uh, but without any yeast. Break it in pieces, pour olive oil on it. It is a grain offering. If your grain offering is prepared in a pan, it must be made of choice flour and olive oil, right? This is like biscuits or something, right? But it's just like, uh, I'm like salivating because I'm thinking of like cornbread, biscuits, pancakes, you know, all that good stuff, right? I'm like, oh man, um, yeah, I can't wait to get to heaven. I don't know what the food is going to be like in heaven. I know there's a tree of life and you can eat freely from that. And I don't know what exactly that means. Um, and I don't know, but I tell you guys this all the time, but my, my little uh, Jewish Italian friend is convinced there's going to be donuts in heaven and I'm right there with him. I'm like, yes, please. Donut, I like the donuts, but maybe some biscuits, biscuits and gravy in heaven. I'm all for it, right? Um, when I see this grain offering, I'm like, all right, I can get down with this. Yeah, a little grain offering to God. Um, and the priests get the, this is part of like that, the offering concerning the grain offering is like, this is their food, okay? Because they they're not working. And so they're having food and, and the other part will be provided for them as well, the meat. But Concerning the grain offering, verse 8, it says, No matter how a grain is offered to, for the Lord uh, has been prepared, bring it to the priest who will present it at the altar. The priest will take a, represent, a representative portion of the grain offering and burn it on the altar. It is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The rest of the grain offering will then be given to Aaron and his sons as their food. This offering will be considered a most holy part of the special gifts presented to the Lord. Now, again, remember, this is like, thank you, God, for provision. And this is an act of faith, I believe, even with the sacrificing of their animals, because they know I don't have what I have unless God has given it to me. 
And so I'm going to take a portion of what God has given to me, and I'm going to give it back as an offering to God, trusting that what he gave me at the beginning, he will continue to provide for me. That's faith. That's faith. And that's why, like, it's faith, it's an act of worship. That's why uh, giving is an act of worship, because you are really trusting, like, uh, I don't have this unless God has given it to me, so I'm going to take a part of this, and I'm going to give it back to him as an offering, because I know he's going to provide because I know he's going to provide. And, that's, and that's, that's really how giving and tithing and all that stuff, that's, that's really, that should be the heart behind it. It shouldn't be like, you know, pass the plate and here's, we got, we, we got to raise more funds for this and that. Look, it, the church is always going to need funds. I mean, that's a reality of a church. However, it should never be about, you know, the thermometer on the stage and this and that. It's, it should be about, I mean, has he taken care of you? Okay, cool. Well, then just trust him to continue to take care of you. And then, you know, and then if, if you're being ministered here or there's a ministry or missionaries that you want to support, give freely to them. Trusting and knowing like, man, God's going to take care of me. He'll take care of me. So that's what's kind of cool about these offerings as well. And with the grain and the just trusting in the Lord for provision, I mean, he's always going to come through. He's always going to come through. And again, with this grain offering, I'm just reminded, you know, daily bread. That was part of Jesus's model prayer to his disciples. Give us this day our daily bread. Why? Because I'm going to cut off a portion of that. I'm going to give it back to God. I'm going to give it back to him. Why? Because he's going to give me daily bread. He's got me. Verse 11, do, do not use yeast in the pre- preparing of any of the grain offerings you present to the Lord, because no yeast or honey may be burned as a special gift presented to the Lord. So you can't burn it up. That's fine. Verse 12, you may add yeast and honey to an offering of the first crops of your harvest, but these must never be offered on the altar as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Season all your grain offerings with salt to remind you of God's eternal covenant, right? That's why it's that, it's that permanence. It's that long lasting. It's a preserver. That's what salt is. And the Jews back then believed that even salt couldn't be destroyed by fire. Okay? And so he's saying, season it with salt. Don't worry about your blood pressure because it's not for you. It's for me. It's a, it's a burnt offering to God. Okay? So he's like, season that thing with salt. But it represents his eternal covenant. Never forget to add salt to your grain offerings. Verse 14, if you present a grain offering to the Lord from the first portion of your harvest, bring fresh grain that is coarsely ground and roasted on a fire. Put olive oil on this grain offering and sprinkle it with frankincense. The priest will take a representative portion of the grain moistened with oil together with all the frankincense and burn it as a special gift presented to the Lord, right? So we get it. You got some grain offerings? You want to make a a voluntary grain offering? Cool. Well, here's the parameters. You can't just show up and throw some, some pancakes on the, on the altar, right? You're like, I made these. And you're like, no, there's yeast in there. Or like, yeah, I, I didn't have time. So here you go, God. Like, that doesn't fly. That doesn't fly. There's rules. There's rules. Why? I don't like rules. He didn't ask you if you liked rules. He says, this is how you'll worship me. But all the other nations are doing it this way. And he's like, I don't care about all the other nations. When it comes to worshiping me, you will worship like this. But in Egypt, we used to, no, this is different. This is different. 
for you and I, serving God, worshiping God. This is different. This is different. This is holy. Chapter three, if you present, this is a peace offering, um, peace or fellowship offering, as you can, uh, I think you can call it either one of those. If you present an animal from the herd as a peace offering to the Lord, it may be a male or a female, but it must have no defects. Okay, so first burnt offering, male, animal only. This one, peace offering, is male or female, still no defects, though. Okay? Lay your hand on the animal's head and slaughter it at the entrance of the tabernacle. Then Aaron's sons, the priests, will splatter the blood against all the sides of the altar. The priest must present part of this peace offering as a special gift to the Lord. This includes all the fat around the internal organs and the two kidneys and the fat around them near the loins and along the lobe of the liver. There must be, uh, these must be removed with the kidneys and Aaron's sons will burn them on top of the burnt offering on the wood burning on the altar. It is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Now here's where naturally I'd want to slow down and be like, okay, let's talk about these organs that filter out all the impurities within our bodies. Okay. Cause that's technically what they do and why he has those set aside for this peace offering. Um, there's so much behind this. So much behind us, and one day we will revisit this, okay? We will revisit this. But there's a distinction between the burnt offering and the peace offering. There's similarities, but there's also some differences there. And some of these organs being thrown on top of the pile and the fact that it could be a male or a female animal, um, there, there's definitely distinctions that are there, okay? And they're not just like, you read through that, like, oh, that's different, and they're there for a reason, However, we don't have the time to get into a lot of that, but I do find it fascinating that a lot of those organs are what are used within our bodies to filter out bad stuff within us, okay? So you got this peace offering, um, and again, this is going to be more blood. Here you go. Verse six, if you present an animal from the flock as a peace offering to the Lord, it may be male or female, but it must have no defects. If you present a sheep as your offering, bring it to the Lord, lay your hand on its head, slaughter it in front of the tabernacle. Aaron's sons will splatter the blood, the sheep's blood against all sides of the altar. The priest must present the fat of this peace offering as a special gift to the Lord. This includes the fat of the uh, broad tail cut off near the backbone all the fat around the internal organs, the two kidneys, and the fat around them near the loin, and the long lobe uh, of the liver. These must be removed with the kidneys, and the priests will burn them on the altar as it is a special gift of food presented to the Lord. If you present a goat as your offering, bring it to the Lord, lay your hand on its head, slaughter it in front of the tabernacle. Aaron's sons will then splatter the goat's blood against all sides of the altar. The priests must present part of this offering as a special gift to the Lord. This includes all the fat around the internal organs, two kidneys, and the fat around them near the loins, the long lobe of the liver. These must be removed with the kidneys, and the priest will burn them on the altar. It is a special gift of food, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. All the fat belongs to the Lord. Here's a caveat. You must never eat any fat or blood. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed from generation to generation wherever you live, right? And you're like, well, that, that's different, right? Don't eat the fat. Don't, not the blood. Why to abstain from the blood? There could be a chance that that's a reference back to Genesis chapter 9, verse 4, when God told Noah, don't 
drink the blood or don't eat the blood from any animals because within that blood, it's, it's, that, it's the life of the animal. So he's saying, stay away from the blood, okay? Now, if you're feeling guilty because you like your steaks a little bit rare, you're like, oh no, I'm a sinner, right? I need to make a sacrifice now. You don't, okay, it's fine. Eat your rare steaks, that's fine. Um, but he's talking about out of like, really, again, it's a distinction between cultures that were surrounding them and what was normal around some of these other cultures. <clears throat> Even to this day, we have, you can go to certain places on this globe and they are drinking blood from animals, which is not a good idea. I don't think, of course, I'm not a doctor or a dietitian, um, but I, you will never find me um, drinking from, you know, blood from an animal. I'm just not going to do it, okay? Because it just seems like a bad idea, right? And God is telling his people you will be distinct. You're going to be different. And you're also going to, as, as weird as it may seem, respect these animals that are being offered up to God. Okay? You're like, but they're losing their lives. Um, yeah, I get that. I get that. But there should be a certain amount of respect for the animal itself as a creation from God being used as an offering to him. Okay? So verse, or no, not verse, chapter, chapter four. Look, see, they just fly by. See, you're thinking like, he's not going to do this. There's no way. Chapter four, here we go. Then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. This is how you are to deal with those who sin unintentionally. Uh-oh, this is a sin offering, okay? Unintentionally, by doing anything that violates one of the Lord's commands. If the high priest sins, uh-oh, that's the main guy, right? Yeah, they sin too, okay? <laughs> they have to make sacrifices as well. Except not that greatest high priest named Jesus. He never had to do this, although he sacrificed, offered himself, right? But he was sinless. If the high priest sins, bringing guilt upon the entire community, he must give a sin offering for the sin he has committed. He must Present to the Lord a young bull with no defects. He must bring the bull to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle, lay his hand on the bull's head, slaughter it before the Lord. The high priest will then take some of the bull's blood into the tabernacle, dip his finger in the blood, sprinkle it seven times before the Lord in front of the inner curtain of the sanctuary. The priest will then put some of the blood on the horns of the altar for fragrant incense that stands in the Lord's presence inside the tabernacle. He will pour out the rest of the bull's blood at the base of the altar for burnt offerings at the entrance of the tabernacle. Then the priest must remove all the fat from the bull to be offered as a sin offering. This includes all the fat around the internal, internal organs, the two kidneys, the fat around them near the loins, the long lobe of the liver. He must remove these along with the kidneys, just as he does with, cat, with cattle offered as peace offerings." And burn them on the altar of burnt offerings. He must take whatever is left of the bull, its hide, meat, head, legs, internal organs, and dung, and carry it away to a place outside the camp that is ceremonial, ceremonially clean, ceremonially clean, as I'm having a hard time saying that word, the place where the ashes are dumped there on the ash heap, he will burn it on a wood fire. That's your high priest. 
He's like, I should probably make sure I offer a sacrifice for myself. Why? Because if he doesn't, then he brings this like calamity onto the entire group, to an entire group. So if you have a, let's say you have a pastor who feels he has, he has no need to repent ever, you might want to steer clear, okay? You might want to steer clear because every pastor, senior pastor, and fill in whatever blank you want to add before that, every pastor has to own sin in their lives. They have to. They have to. That's a part of it. Now, again, praise God we're not slaughtering animals, but the principle still remains. The principle still remains. And if I am ever unwilling to go to God because I get this arrogant notion that, well, I'm no longer a sinner, run away, flee. Flee, go find somewhere else that's healthier, okay? Because pastors who think like that, that's, that's sinful. That in and of itself is sinful thinking, okay? The high priest had an obligation to present themselves before the Lord and have their sins atoned for before they ever represented the people. And that was serious. So you start there. There's going to be some other groups that are mentioned, but we start there. We start with concerning the, the Levites and all that. We start with the high priest. Got to start there. The second group that's mentioned is the entire community of Israel. Um, and just a side note on the sin offering, it provides forgiveness and atonement or covering uh, for sins committed unintentionally against God's commands, right? These are ones that you're like, oh, I didn't know that was a sin. I just found out that was a sin. Well, okay, um, we'll just own it and then don't do it anymore, right? Um, and that's, that's the beautiful thing about even, even today, nowadays, where it's like some people may be doing things, and if you've ever ministered to people, you probably have come across this where you say, like, you shouldn't do that. And they're like, well, why? Well, because the Bible says that's a sin. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, and then hopefully they take that and be like, and if they're a Christian, they're like, okay, well then I'm going to stop doing that because the Bible says to stop doing that. That's ultimately what we want. And so praise God, there's, there's an, a covering for even unintentional sins. Maybe you're doing something, you're like, I didn't even know that was wrong. That's okay. Now you do. Now we deal with it and now we move on, right? The entire community of Israel it says, uh, if, if the entire community, entire Israelite community sins by violating one of God's commands, but the people don't realize it, they're still guilty. See, that's the thing. That's the part we want to leave off in modern Christianity, right? You're doing something you don't realize is wrong. Um, well, we just will ignore it because we don't like confrontation. We don't like to tell people that, hey, that's a sin. You shouldn't do that. When the Bible says, well, no, even if you're doing it and you don't realize it's a sin, you're still guilty of sinning. God looks down at you and is like, you still did it. <laughs> you still did it. Now, my son died for that, but you were still doing it. So there has to be an owning of the sin, right? He says they're still guilty, verse 14, when they become aware of their sin, the people must bring a young bull as an offering for their sin and present it before the tabernacle. The elders of the community, okay, so here's their leadership within the community there, must lay their hands on the bull's head and slaughter it before the Lord. 
Now, this is a representation of the whole community, the elders. So the high priest has done his thing. Now the elders who help to rule, they put their hands collectively on these animals, probably plural, because it may be more, maybe it's just the one representing the whole community, whatever that looks like. They, as the leaders, put their hands on that saying, okay, we are identifying this as a covering for the entire community. Okay, really kind of a cool, really beautiful picture there of like a nation and a community coming together saying like, let's do this all together. Let's just do this together. So they put their hands on his head, slaughter it before the Lord. The high priest will then take some of the bull's blood into the tabernacle, dip his finger in the blood, sprinkle it seven times before the Lord in front of the inner curtain. He will then put some of the blood on the horns of the altar for fragrant incense that stands before the Lord's presence inside the tabernacle. He will pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar for burnt offerings at the entrance of the tabernacle. Then the priest must remove all the animal's fat, burn it on the altar, just as he does with the bull offered as a sin offering for the high priest. Through this process, the priest will purify the people, making them right with the Lord, and they will be forgiven. Then the priest must take what is left of the bull and carry it outside the camp, burn it there, just as it is done with the sin offering for the high priest. This offering is for the sin of the entire congregation of Israel. So it's cool. Let's high priest is covered. Hey, let's make sure the congregation is covered in case there's an unintentional sin happening out there. Right? Really kind of cool. Like, I mean, this, this should like just foster community and, and togetherness within the nation of Israel. We are all in this thing together. We are distinct. We are separate from all these other nations because no other nations are really doing these types of things. Then we go on to uh, the next little group here. If one of Israel's leaders sins by violating one of the commands, so you have your high priest, you have the community, now you have the leaders within the community violating one of the commands of the Lord, his God, but doesn't realize it, he is still guilty. When he becomes aware of his sin, he must bring as his offering a male goat with no defects. So now you got not a, not a bull, but you have a goat for the, for the leader. No defects, right? So he can't even, he can't just bring his broke down goat, right? You know, I was like, oh, you know, I, I think I messed up. And uh, let me find that three-legged goat over there and offer that to the Lord. And the Lord's like, I don't want that. Um, you're not, I want your best. And so he, he has to bring his best and he slaughters it at the place of the burnt offerings where they're slaughtered before the Lord. This is an offering for his sins. Then the priest will dip his finger in the blood of the sin offering and put it on the horns of the altar for the burnt offerings. He will pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. So notice there is no sprinkling of the blood against the sides of the altar with the goat. Then he must burn all the goats fat on the altar, just as he does with the peace offering. Through this process, the priest will purify the leader from his sin, making him right with the Lord, and he will be forgiven. Verse 27, now to the commoners. Just, and this isn't like you're not as valuable as a leader or the high priest. or No, it's just saying just everybody. I mean, you have your community that's represented by the one sacrifice. So you had the high priest community as a whole, leaders, but then also just the individuals within the community. That's kind of what this is talking about, the common people. If any common people sin by violating one of God's commands, but they don't realize it, they're still guilty. 
When they become aware of their sin, they must bring as an offering for their sin a female goat, okay? A female goat with no defects. Pastor James Grizzle has been making his way through the book of Leviticus here on Bread for the Broken. Leviticus can be a tough book to get through with all of its rules and regulations, and sometimes it can be hard to see why we should learn any of that at all today. But every book in the Old Testament points to the person of Jesus. Several of the chapters in Leviticus deal with people who have sinned unintentionally and then later come to realize their sin. God lays out for them the steps to take in order to receive forgiveness. Now, the people of Israel brought sacrifices to the priests to pay for those sins. But we have a great high priest in Jesus who offered himself as a sacrifice. Leviticus 6-7 says, And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven. How amazing is it that we have this great high priest who has atoned for all of our sins? The mission of Bread for the Broken is to help people find hope and new life in Jesus. If you'd like to join us in that mission, we have an opportunity for you to donate and to help us spread the word. Head on over to breadforthebroken.com to join us in the mission today. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, you can explore all of the other messages and share them with your friends. And if you're in the Galveston, Texas area, we'd love to see you in a service at Calvary Galveston. We're here Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. But if you can't make it, we stream all of our services on Facebook. Well, we're out of time for today. We'll see you again next time here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.